Hello, baby. Want a kiss? Welcome to the Experimental Film Podcast with your host, Ken Hess. Teaching a parakeet to talk is fun, but the old method took too much time and patience. This record is specially designed to teach any healthy, normal parakeet to talk by using a scientific new method that is acknowledged to be far superior because a carefully trained voice, specially chosen for excellence in clarity and diction, repeats over and 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 over the same words, the same phrase, in a manner that most parakeets are most likely to imitate. Check experimentalfilm.info for information, interviews, and episodes. For the next few seconds, this record will be silent. This podcast is dedicated exclusively to experimental film and its makers. Welcome everyone to Season 2, Episode 15 of the Experimental Film Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Hess, and today's episode is the final episode of Season 2. I'm here to talk about a few topics of general interest concerning experimental film and its makers. Today I'm going to cover a range of topics that goes from some questions I've gotten, some comments, things I've thought up while working with other filmmakers, and a few items that have come up from working on my own films and from directing the Experimental Film Fest. Speaking of the Experimental Film Fest, we're currently accepting submissions for the 2022 season of the festival that will be held in person on October 15th of this year in beautiful New Bern, North Carolina, where I live. So first, I want to discuss last year's Experimental Film Fest, which was held at the Bank of the Arts. Uh, The Bank of the Arts is uh, Craven County Arts Gallery. And it's here on Middle Street, and it's also going to be there again this year. So I'm excited to have the fest- the festival again at the Bank of the Arts here in New Bern. The uh, executive director, Jonathan Berger, and his gallery director, uh, Dara, are very helpful. And I just can't tell you how valuable they are to me and uh, how much I really enjoy working with, with those two folks. So, let's get on with it. Last year, um, the film festival, oh gosh, we played about 30 short experimental films to a full house of approximately 55 people. We had local 37th Street Pizza. We had wine. We had beer. We had soda. We had water. We also had popcorn because, you know, it's movies. So, we had a really good time. We had a filmmaker meet and greet before the festival. And attending the filmmaker meet and greet was local film—sorry, local filmmaker Deasia Fulmore. She has uh, created a feature-length film called Crossover, and I was involved in that just a little bit as the uh, moderator for the question and answer session at her opening, her uh, you know grand opening for the film. We had Bill Hand. Bill Hand is a local film auteur and uh, actor and. Uh, playwright. He just kind of does everything. He's a podcaster. He's got the North Carolina History Theater podcast. And um, there's just a lot of things Bill Hand does. He's a really good guy. I like him a lot. So I was glad to have him speak at the film festival. And um, we had Ronald Parham. He was a local filmmaker who now lives and works in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Jaina Grazer. She came up from Wilmington to join the meetup, and we had multiple actors, we had filmmakers, we had crew people, 
and they all got to exchange information and got to know one another. Um, one of the filmmakers who was in the festival last year, who came down from Washington, D.C., uh, Lisa Book, she actually um, pitched some ideas to a couple of other people. I don't know how those have turned out. I haven't had much follow-up with a couple of them, but uh, anyway, I know Ronald Parham has been extremely successful on the festival circuit now, and um, I was glad to see that his film was uh, selected as the audience favorite last year. So that was very cool for him. So he got an award. He was actually an honorable mention. He showed up for the festival with his two other actors from the film, and um, you know, he walked away with the audience favorite awards. So that was that was really cool. It was a great film. I loved it. So um, the festival itself was really cool. But this year we're going to, you know, and the theme of the festival is always do something different. So we're actually going to this year do something different. We're going to have a little bit shorter track this year, shorter blocks. Uh, we're going to do uh, two one-hour blocks with a short intermission between the two. Last year I did two long blocks. They were an hour and a half each. And I think that was a little long. I think, um, you know, it's weird. And I guess this bears saying for the podcast that um, some films play really well on a small screen, like on a computer screen, you know, or even a television. But when you put it up on a big screen in front of an audience, some films just don't play well that way. They I don't know the pacing or the, um, I, I don't know what it is, but some things that are, seem great on a small screen, you know, the way we have to judge films, you know, we don't see them in a big theater with a 20 foot screen or anything. We see them, you know, they're maybe uh, a foot wide on your uh, computer monitor. So, you know, it's a little hard sometimes to figure how things are going to translate to a larger screen, but, um, Anyway, that's fine. It you know, it all works out. I enjoy screening films. I think that we screen oh we actually award official selections to gosh, um about 30% of our entrants usually. That's about usually what it comes out. Okay, we award official selections to about 30 35%. And then about half of those actually are screened at the festival. So that that's a pretty good um, pretty good percentage because I've heard someone say that about one percent of all films ever get screened at festivals, but um, our percentage is much higher. And I'm also the director of the North Carolina Film Festival. Now I don't own that festival. That festival is actually owned by the uh, No River Media, and I'm actually on that board just as a member. But uh, they chose me to be the director this year, and it's been a lot of fun watching the submissions because in that film festival, we accept uh, long format films, you know, feature length films, feature length uh, documentaries, uh, short documentaries, short films, music videos, animations, experimental, you know, just about everything like other festivals. So it's really interesting to see the mix. And man, we had some great films. So I think we... Uh, we had roughly 47, which were uh, given official selection, and we're screening 22. So I know that's not experimental, but it is something I'm involved in. I thought you'd like to know. That uh, film festival occurs July 30th yeah, thirtieth at the um, New Bern Civic Theater, which is just um, 
right downtown in New Bern. It's a beautiful old theater. It was a, originally built as a vaudeville theater, and I love it. I love that place. We actually, um, in April, April 2nd, as a matter of fact, uh, it was my idea to have a vaudeville show there, and we did, and it was a huge success. It was a sold-out show, and people loved it. We had um, all kinds of acts there. Some of those were experimental. Um, I wrote the opening act and starred in it with a young man uh, by the name of uh, Tristan Johnson, and he was really good. And here's the cool thing about that vaudeville show. Not only was that theater originally a vaudeville theater, but it was almost 100 years uh, since the last vaudeville show there. You know, they quickly converted it to a movie theater, you know, back in the early 30s, probably, or late 20s. And then, um, you know, it's gone through various iterations. I think it was even closed down and maybe partially abandoned for a while. But um, now it's fully back up and running, renovated and beautiful, and and, uh, has a great director, Michael Tahaney, the former director. Uh, The Vaudeville Show was the very last thing he did, which was kind of awesome to go out on a really high note like that. So anyway, lots been going on here in New Bern, North Carolina. If you ever get a chance to visit, you should, because it's beautiful and it's uh, a real artsy community and always a lot going on here. I mean, you're never bored. (laughs) This week alone, (laughs) my wife has three different activities this week, uh, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So that's going to keep her away from home uh, for those three evenings. And so, I mean, there is always something to do here. You would think a town this size, which is about 30,000 residents, you'd think there wouldn't be that much to do, but it's, there's always something to do. And um, it's crazy. There's concerts, there's all these uh, places in town to go to where there's live music. I think every night you can go and see live music in New Bern and, um, you know, you can get involved with film, you can get involved with art, you can get involved with photography. Um, There's just a myriad of things to to occupy your time here, um, you know, even besides all the, the the cool activities we have. I mean, you know, Tryon Palace always has a lot of activities. They just had a thing. If you've seen the Outlander series, some of that was shot here in New Bern. Most of it was shot in Wilmington. But, um, I mean, there's just all kinds of crazy things. We had a drum and fife corps that played, and uh, they read the Declaration of Independence on July 4th, which was, I have to tell you, I rarely get moved to tears from something like that, but I was absolutely moved to tears when I heard the Declaration of Independence being read. And I'm kind of getting a little misty right now, as a matter of fact, a little choked up just thinking about that experience because it was so moving. I mean, the guy was dressed in 18th century clothing, and we were on the steps of Tron Palace where the original governor uh It was at, you know, Governor Tryon and, you know, it was just a, it was a whole thing. It was really quite, quite interesting and and quite moving. But anyway, that's New Bern and the Experimental Film Fest, uh, October 15th of this year. Uh, Please attend if you can. Love to see you. Love to say, hey, I listen to the podcast. Heck, if you tell me you listen to the podcast, I might even give you a free t-shirt. So, uh... (laughs) We're going to have some t-shirts this year, I think, and, um, you know, I, I think everybody will uh, really enjoy the festival this year because, like I said, we're we're streamlining a little bit of it, and we're going to do some more exciting things, and uh, I think everybody will have a really good time. We had a great time last year. 
I have to laugh because some people had a really, really good time last year. <laughs> but um, anyway, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed doing it. And I love the people of New Bern. They were very, very supportive. And uh, it was just a, a great time for me. So anyway, um, see, on to the next thing here. And the next thing is one of the big questions I get every time I tell somebody what I do. I say, well, I, I'm the director of the Experimental Film Fest. I'm an experimental filmmaker. And they go, what's experimental film? Well, if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously probably know what experimental film is. But just in case you don't, experimental film is film or uh, movies, I guess you could say, that don't necessarily follow standard cinematic rules. They don't follow uh, script rules. They don't follow character rules. They don't follow uh, sound rules. They, they just don't follow the rules, although they can. It's not it's not against the rules, so to speak, if you follow the rules. You know, you can shoot, uh, you know, thirds, you know, the where the lines cross. You can, you know, do a experimental documentary. You can uh, have experimental music in your film. There's all kinds of things that can make a film experimental. But one of the big things that really distinguishes experimental film from, say, narrative film, as a narrative film is like a regular movie that you watch. Experimental film does not necessarily have to have characters, doesn't have to have dialogue, doesn't have to have music, uh, doesn't even really have to have a point, I guess. Um, you know, some people just... Uh, you know, make colors and scratches on film and then digitize that and play that as their film. And, you know, maybe there's some purpose or message behind it, but it can be just a visual experience, you know, just something cool to look at, I guess you'd say. And I don't think everything always has to have a higher purpose. Uh, sometimes you just want to look at something pretty, you know, so um, or ugly, you know, ugly is also uh, it kind of has its own strange beauty, you know, something that's really ugly or dirty or malformed or uh, broken, you know, however you want to take that. But that's experimental film in a nutshell. You'd need to Google experimental film or get on YouTube. Uh, there's, I know there's probably two or three hundred at least experimental films on YouTube that's, that are available to you. And you can watch those, some very famous ones and some very amateur ones. Um, and, you know, you can get used to seeing some of those things. And, uh, you know, some of them are shocking. Some of them are downright vulgar. <laughs> some of them are, of course, that's in the eye of the beholder as well, right? But uh, some of them are just mundane. Some are boring. You know, it just depends uh, on what you're looking for. You can uh, look at my Vimeo channel. It's vimeo.com slash Ken and see what you think of my experimental films. Uh, now, I do have one narrative piece in my films on uh, Vimeo, but generally speaking, they are experimental. So I really enjoy making experimental film and uh, talking about it and discovering new things. So anyway, uh, how do you make an experimental film? That's another big question that comes up. You know, people tell me, oh, I don't have thousands of dollars worth of equipment or I don't have any equipment at all. And what I always tell people is look at my films. I, you know, there are a couple of films. Yes, I, I took my cameras and actually made the films, you know, with actors and um, 
some of them didn't have actors. I just uh, you know, took footage. You know, it would be considered B-roll in a normal film, I guess. You're listening to the Experimental Film Podcast with Ken Hess. And now, back to the show. But what I did was I took my own cameras and, and got footage and put a soundtrack to that. And, you know, it's sometimes experimental film can be in the editing, can be in the, the color correction. It can be in the uh, pacing. You know, you can speed up or slow down your film. You can, uh, you know, add voiceovers. You know, you can really mix it up and but the I guess my main point is you don't really have to have a camera to make an experimental film. In fact, some very famous filmmakers never shot one foot of film in their lives, <laughs> but they are prolific experimental filmmakers. And what this is called is uh, found footage films. And found footage means that uh, you go to these days, you would go someplace like archive.org and collect film clips and put those together in a unique way with editing, uh, color correction, you know, change it to black and white, reverse it, uh, you know, make it look like a negative, posterize it, do whatever you want to to it and build yourself a film. You can also get uh, public domain music and sound bites and all kinds of stuff there. And you could actually, and some people have done it, made feature length films just based on found footage. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of fun to do, actually, to make found footage films because you can find film pieces or pieces of film uh, footage that you probably couldn't get any other way. I mean, it's unlikely that I'll ever see, I don't know, the Taj Mahal, for example. But I could go online to archive.org and find some footage of the Taj Mahal and I could superimpose myself to where it looks like I'm standing in front of it. So, you know, really the sky's the limit on making experimental films out of found footage. And a lot of people do make those and are very successful with them. So hopefully it surprises you to know that you don't have to have a camera. You don't have to have sound gear. You don't have to really have any equipment at all. A, a computer is kind of essential. I mean, or a mobile phone. You can use a phone to get uh, footage. You can uh, edit on a mobile phone. There's uh, some uh, editing apps that you can use. So really, and everybody has a mobile phone these days. So, you know, you've got a camera on your phone. Uh, it records sound. You can uh, plug in a, a cheap microphone to most phones and record your sound that way if you have actors or dialogue that you need to record or voiceovers or whatever. So uh, I think pretty much everybody has filmmaking equipment uh, if they really want to make it. I mean, there was a guy, uh, Sean Baker, who has created, I, and they're kind of experimental in a way. He created a feature-length film called Tangerine that at one time was on Netflix, and he created those with two iPhone 5s's and I you know I think he had pretty good sound equipment but as far as what he used for cameras it was two iPhone 5s's so you know pretty much anybody can find one of those for I don't know fifty dollars online or you know probably someone you know has one just laying around 
so, you know, <laughs> it doesn't have to be an iPhone 5S. could be anything. That's just what he used because that's what he had available, I suppose. So anyway, that's, uh, you know, to make an experimental film, uh, here's a challenge for you. Go to archive.org, download some films, some clips, trailers, and music. Uh, you know, make sure that whatever you have is in the public domain or is licensed so that you can use it and edit it and and change it if you wish now you can go with something called fair use and say hey this is an artistic piece and i'm not going to sell this it's strictly for artistic purposes and you then you can pretty much use whatever you want and that's what i've done i've actually downloaded some clips from youtube and excerpted those changed them enough to where they're you know not the original piece so you know, I incorporate those into my films as found footage films. And you can see uh, a one good example uh, I call Digging In or Dirt, uh, as it is called on Vimeo under my films. Uh, that one is purely YouTube videos. And uh, I have a subscription to Storyblocks, which has audio, video, and stills. And, you know, I just I grabbed some audio, which I'm able to use copyright-free. Uh, for my films and, you know, just paired those up and, you know, away I went. So you can see a completed film. It's about four minutes long or so. You can take a look at that if you like. So uh, most people who use their cell phones for making films, now there's usually a built-in app, but they're not great because they don't really give you much control. But if you download Filmic Pro, that's what a lot of people use. That's what Sean Baker used to make Tangerine with his iPhones. Is Filmic, F-I-L-M-I-C, Filmic Pro. And I think it's about $15 uh, to buy that app. But it gives you great control over, you know, aspect ratios, frames per second, video quality, exposure, focus, everything. You can rack focus with that. You can, uh, you know, zoom. You can do all kinds of neat stuff with it. I mean, it's like having a, a pretty high dollar camera at your uh, fingertips right there on your phone. And then if there you want a free one, there's one called Mavis, M-A-V-I-S. And that one also gives you a lot of control. And I, I'm pretty sure it's free. I downloaded it for free and have used it. I don't, I don't remember any nag screens or any limitations, but uh, there might be a paid pro version for it, but you just have to discover that on your own. Or there, there's other apps too. You don't have to use one of those. I used to really enjoy using a uh, an old eight millimeter film camera app to make some experimental films. I really enjoy doing something like that. So um, you know, indulge yourself, enjoy. <laughs> so if you use actors in your film, uh, sound is typically very important. And in fact, if you watch much about films on YouTube, people will tell you sound is the most important thing. People will forgive you for video, but they don't forgive you for sound. And while this is true for narrative films, it is not necessarily true for experimental film. So uh, because as I told you earlier, you don't even really have to have a soundtrack at all. It can be totally silent. And there's something to be said for that. It's an artistic choice. And that's the thing about experimental film. You know, it's a it's a purely artistic choice whether you want to use sound or what kind of sound. You might even want to use two unrelated sounds. Like you might want to use a, a waltz 
and then use someone crunching potato chips, you know, just to mix those together to make an interesting uh, soundtrack for yourself. So, you know, uh, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but really experimental film is anything that you want to do. If you want to tell a story, you can tell a story. If you don't want to tell a story, don't tell a story. If you have just some visuals that you want to show someone in an interesting order, or, you know, you just want to dazzle somebody with some visuals, you can do that with experimental film because there's no rules list. There's no limitations on you. You can do whatever you want, basically. So get out there and do something different. So um, one of the things I want to talk about too tonight is that part of the group that I'm in called Inno River Media, and you can go look at the website. I'll have it in the podcast notes. It's E-N-O-R-I-V-E-R-M-E-D-I-A.com, Inno River Media. But uh, it is a nonprofit organization, and our charter is that we advocate for filmmaking in North Carolina. And I wanted to be part of this group because of that charter. You know, we help filmmakers produce films. We uh, can produce our own projects. We can pitch films to each other. We can collaborate with other members of the board. And, you know, it's a great experience because there are some people who've, you know, made films for more than 20 years. And, you know, we have a, a guy who's a an accomplished musician. We have a guy who runs his own media company. Well, actually, two people who run their own media companies. We have a person who is actually in film school right now. She's also an actress. And, you know, we have a lot of talent in this group. So um, I just wanted to spend a moment telling you that if you're in North Carolina and you're a filmmaker, you know, you can pitch ideas to us and we can get your films produced if there's budget. You know, uh, sometimes we'll match your budget. You know, let's say that uh, your film's going to cost $1,500 to make. Well, we can sometimes provide matching funds and, you know, $750 of ours, $750 of yours. And we get to put our name on it as a producer or, you know, in collaboration with and, and so on. So that, you know, when it goes to a festival, they see our name as well as yours. So because we provided those funds. So anyway, um, if you're in North Carolina also and you would like to be part of Inno River Media and help filmmakers, we have what we call four pillars. Those pillars are education, where we you know, are into teaching people about filmmaking and acting and being crew. So uh, it helps the whole community build uh, because we're, we're into helping build people who can do things you know i can't find a sound guy well i've just trained a sound guy so you know here they are they're available to you and you know a lot of the projects that they would work on are paid projects so it's it's really cool it helps everybody and uh education let's see there's uh one of the pillars is education another pillar is legislation where uh, we have members of the board who actually go to raleigh to the capitol and discuss filmmaking and budgets and needs with legislators, you know, and to try to get uh, tax breaks for filmmakers to come here and make films and spend their budgets locally with us, because that also helps everybody. I mean, we're big advocates for 
doing things in North Carolina. And another pillar is filmmaking. Surprise. <laughs> so uh, filmmaking, you know, we actually uh, make our own films. The uh, group just got through producing a film that had been pitched to the the company, oh gosh, it was probably pitched two years ago, just before the pandemic started. And they just finished principal photography this summer. And now they're into editing right now. So, you know, it, it happens. And that film was totally funded by, uh, in a, well, I, I can't say totally funded, but quite a bit funded by Inner River Media. And so uh, our funds were for renting equipment and paying actors and so on. So that was that was really a, a great project. Unfortunately, I was out of town and, and couldn't be a part of it directly. <clears throat> so uh, the fourth pillar is the North Carolina Film Festival. And that, <clears throat> I don't think there's any pillar that's more important than any other. Uh, you know, you have four pillars and really the, you know, the entire organization is held up by those poor four pillars. So the uh, film festival provides opportunities for Inner River Media to meet new filmmakers or established filmmakers. Uh, it helps us find crew people for other filmmakers. It helps uh, promote filmmaking in North Carolina. It gives awards to filmmakers. In fact, it's an international festival, but, you know, of course, the local ones we you know, we like to network with, you know, if there's local ones in the festival. It seems like there's a couple of local people or local filmmakers, and by local, I mean in North Carolina, not necessarily local to New Bern. I think there may be someone from Charlotte and someone from Asheville actually in the festival this year, which is very cool. But, I mean, we have 22 films, and I think two of them are from North Carolina. So we're not, we're not North Carolina-centric when it comes to showing the films or handing out awards, just so you know. <laughs> But anyway, uh, North Carolina Film Festival, education, legislation, and filmmaking. Those are the four pillars of Inno River Media. And it's a great group of people. I really enjoy being around them. We have monthly calls to discuss business and to uh, forward the uh, charter along to you know discuss topics at hand and to figure out how we can help filmmakers. So there you go. So uh, I know some of that was not purely experimental, but it is part of what I'm doing, as I said, and that's what's important <laughs> is what I'm doing. No, but seriously, I appreciate you guys listening for this second season. I'm excited to get season three started. I have delayed this podcast long enough, and I, I apologize for that. And I know some people probably over time think, Hey, has he stopped doing the podcast? No, I haven't stopped doing the podcast. In fact, I've already recorded either three or four podcasts for season three already. It was just getting this last podcast out that I was going to do by myself uh, that really held me up. So, you know, it's always hard to find the time. I mean, since the last podcast I did, which was uh, episode 14, I've moved into a new house. <laughs> uh, you know, there's all these new things that's going on. I've had COVID twice. Uh, I've, yes, I've been back. I've been fully vaccinated and boosted. I need to get my second booster soon. Um, you know, there's just been so much going on and just life happens. You know, I changed jobs. And so, uh, you know, just a lot of stressors and, and things going on. So 
I am very pleased to get this podcast completed. And seriously, if you know filmmakers who would like to be on the podcast, uh, I would love to talk to them. I love to interview people. And that's what this podcast is all about, is teaching and learning from other filmmakers. And I'd say with that, I'm pretty much done. Thank you for listening today to the season finale. This is episode 15 of season two. Next time will be episode one of season three. And thank you for listening to the Experimental Film Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Hess, and we'll see you next time. If you would like to sponsor a podcast or schedule an interview, send an email to ken at experimentalfilm.info. Thanks for listening to the Experimental Film Podcast with Ken Hess. Thank you.